Hello and welcome to the PFRS Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl. And at this episode, I hopped on Zoom and got to interview a new friend of mine, Kevin Cornell, former team member of Cal Strength and MDUSA Weightlifting, four-time winner of the Arnold Sports Festival Weightlifting Competition. And today we jump into his life as a professional athlete and the transition from that into professional life, running the business, and the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy it. There we go. All right, man. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. It's an honor, man. I've watched all the videos, all the Cal Strength and uh, MDUSA and watched you go through some recovery with your knee injury last year and and making progress. So it's, yeah. uh, it's always great to have a interesting story of progress from one uh, one way of life to another and growing up in a sport and moving on. For sure. Uh, you're a four-time Arnold weightlifting champion, the Arnold Sports Festival, right? Um, yeah, four or five. So I, <laughs> lost, I, I lost count. I lost count. I, I don't know. It's not, it's not a big deal. The only one that matters is the first one. Nobody cares after that. So, <laughs> so on that, actually, so have you heard the news of them moving the festival, the weightlifting portion? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I did. So, I mean, I have mixed feelings, to be honest with you. I mean, that's that's a whole backstory where, uh, you know, you you have a sport where you don't even know if it's going to – it's probably not going to be around in 28 Olympics. So, there, yeah. that, that already diminishes the value of the sport. Now, six years prior to that happening – well, actually, 2024 – after yeah. that, nobody knows what's going on. So let's just yeah. call it 2024. So two years from now, you're going to charge 180 as an early bird, which used to be 100. You got full access. You could lift in the same room as me, Donnie, John, Klokoff, any other big name you can think of, right? Yeah. Now, only the special people, I guess, on the road stage are in the venue. And everybody else is 10 minutes away in some facility. Oh, I didn't hear that part. I thought like it was everybody was off in the, the expo center. And now, now you're saying that the, like basically the A session is on the rogue stage. Correct. Oh my God. I, I only heard that. I can't confirm it, but that's how they've been doing the last two or three years. So I don't see why I would think otherwise. Gotcha. So you're paying early bird is 180. Something like that. And then yeah. late is fucking $400 to get into the same event that somebody like me, I won four times, but now I have to pay literally, no pun intended, four times as much if I yeah. forget to register to, to do what? You know, like I said, how many times do you uh, do I do I need to win it before, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, just show up. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's insane, and I'm not saying that to brag, but I mean it's just it's ludicrous. Yeah. There's 1,800 registered people. Uh, I saw on a uh, USA post where something Don Meyer Law or something like that. They they were they were responding to somebody who's basically saying what I'm saying. Yeah, and they go due to the Don Meyer Law, we can't cap registration. We can't say you can't compete because it's an so amateur competition. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I just I, I don't know. There's USA Weightlifting has done so much stuff in the last two years. I think they've lost a lot of fans. I think a lot of people uh, have no faith in them, um, and that's why I think you know leagues like John's League, Gladiator League, which I competed in last month, yeah, uh, are going to start to kind of take over because you know I remember nationals last year. People were paying a hundred dollars to lift on Zoom in their own gym. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's insane. So, I mean, my take on it, I don't understand it. Uh, I'm kind of losing interest uh, yeah. in the USA weightlifting portion of, of the sport. And I just, you know, like to train, like to compete. I'm not sure if I'll do any more national meets. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do local meets because this is insane. Uh, what yeah. they're charging and 
all that type of stuff. So that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. I think, you know, John and I have talked a lot about it and we've, we've got a couple things in the books too. Like we're, we're, he started him and uh, Greg started the GWL and yep. he and I are on the way to setting up an outdoor league for the, for doing just strictly outdoor competitions. Um, you know, so that it's not affiliated with anything other than us and, uh, really just lifter athlete oriented and, uh, just try to get something going. I mean, it's, it's on one side, you know, we've talked about in the past, like strongman, like there's and powerlifting, right? Like there's no, there's, there's three different leagues or, you know, federations for strongman and there's freaking like 10 for powerlifting. I don't right. want that. I don't want weightlifting to turn into that necessarily, but like for having it so centralized for so long, like Bill has done a great job as a CEO or the president of, of USAW. He really has. Um, and the new influx, I mean, over the last, since I mean, since I started lifting five years ago, you know, AO final or AO, AO one, the Arnold had like 500, 600 per- participants and now Mm -hmm. it's triple almost quadruple that you know even though with all with everything going on with iwf and the olympics like it's the the numbers are still going through the roof like it's it's they don't i i don't blame them they're they're just they're swinging for the fences you know just trying to trying to get by and trying to keep everybody happy so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the next next year let alone the next two or three years yeah, I mean, I get wanting to make money. That's one thing. But, you know, when you have the end sessions and things like that, I mean, you got to you got to be able to you got to be able to facilitate that a little bit better than what they're doing. The venues are by far better than a, you know, skating rink that we competed in nationals and, you know, I don't know, 2012, 13, whatever it was. Yeah. So venue and, and just overall uh, appearance, it's good as far as. Uh, logistics and handling complaints and things like that. I don't know who their uh, department is that handles that, but I think that could be a little bit better, a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it's mostly just answering the complaint and then saying, you know, reach out to your local whoever. Uh, and, and I have, uh, I know a bunch of people were a little upset. Uh, I don't know if it was last year's Arnold or the one prior during COVID, but, you know, there was no explanation as far as refunds, things like that, because you just paid a hundred bucks to do nothing. I mean, it was basically yeah. a donation. You didn't get anything for it. Um, I know a lot of people were upset about that and, you know, nobody really responded or cause I, I messaged the Instagram page I messaged or emailed uh, whoever they told me to email and nothing really was done about it. And it's fine. I mean, a hundred bucks isn't going to make or break me, but, at the end of the day to just kind of have a response like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll credit this towards something else. If, if you didn't have the chance oh, yeah. to go because of global pandemic going on, you know, it, it's just, I think sometimes, uh, you know, USA weightlifting can do a better job of handling things better. Um, yeah. but as a, a, as overall growth, uh, in the sport and of the, uh, you know, system that they are yeah they're far greater than what they ever been for sure yeah so uh yeah it's it's a it's gonna be interesting like you said over the next next three years two years let alone 2028 because that's it's so far up in the air um so i guess let's let's go all the way back to your beginning with uh you know your your move from pittsburgh pa because you moved to California. Um, what exactly was the cause of that? I can't remember how old you were when you, when you made that move. So I was 22. Um, I was in uh, college, uh, attended the state college, which was actually uh, in California, PA. So I told people I went from the small California to the big California. Yeah. Uh, Glenn was doing Ustream at the time. So it was kind of the first ever streaming service. And I was looking for a way to, I knew I wanted to be big in the sport and I knew that I had to uh, 
find somebody that was outside of PA just because there wasn't really a, a, a huge demand for the sport in PA. So uh, I knew I, I knew I was going to have to move. So I was ready yeah. for that. I just didn't know where uh, my aunt actually sent me the Ustream. They said, Hey, you know, these guys are looking for athletes. And I think this is the sport that you do. I said, okay, I'll check it out. Message. Glenn said, yeah, you know, contact me on whatever email or call me, whatever uh, correspondence he sent me at the time. Yeah. And so uh, him and I uh, talked for a while, probably six months. And eventually I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to put everything on the line and go for it. So I used the internship that I needed to complete that summer as uh, an excuse to go to California. Uh, originally, it was only supposed to be 90 days, but about six weeks in, halfway through the three months, um, John was like, hey, I like Kevin. Uh, I want him on the team. This is to Dave Spitz, the owner of Cal Strength. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, basically, can we keep him? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Dave's like, let me look at the budget. Let me see logistically if we can do it. But at that point, I knew it was a yes. I wasn't leaving, whether it was a yes or a no. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna make it yeah. yeah. Um, so the answer was yes. And I made the team and I said, okay, I'll do schooling online. Uh, and that's, that's how, how it all happened. So, so how did, how did that affect you and your relationships? Um, making that move, like on the under underlying side, I know making a move like that and having a goal and something to focus on, um, how did your, how did your like psyche handle making a move cross country to a whole new environment, whole new, whole new class of people? Um, and, uh, how did, how did you cope with that, uh, that emotionally? Yeah, no, great question. So it did one of two things. One, it shrank my circle because a lot of people, um, kind of fell off. They were just like, I'm not going to be able to keep up with this, with what this guy is doing. So they just mm -hmm. gave up on the relationship. It wasn't really anything too personal. Like it wasn't my girlfriend at the time. Who's now my wife, obviously yeah. she didn't give up on me. Right. Yeah. She, she stuck around, which is good. Um, my parents were there. My family was there, but training partners from back home, training acquaintances from back home, college people that I knew, um, they all started to kind of fall off, which I was okay with, um, just because it, it, you know, shows who's on board and who's not. Yeah. As far as your psyche goes, I mean, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable situation. I mean, you're out there with nothing, you know, nobody, you have nothing. So you're really relying on the, uh, mentorship of, you know, the coach, your teammates for them to really lead you in the right, uh, direction as far as. This is how you make money. This is where you're going to move. This is how you train. This is how you, you know, stay safe. Um, this area is okay to go to at night. This one I wouldn't <laughs> go to. Right? So things as innocuous as that uh, really come to more importance than, say, you were at home and you're like, okay, it's 11 at night and, you know, this bar is okay. I feel, you know, if things go, go sideways, I can get out. California, you don't know where you're at, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks it's surfers with shark tattoo, uh, shark teeth, uh, necklaces, necklaces and <laughs> yeah. surfer. That's all south. That's not Northern California. Like, oh, absolutely not. It's warm in the winter. It's super cold in the, or excuse me, warm in the summer, super cold in the winter, right? The grass is green in one season and fucking dark brown in the next. So, you know, it does get cold there. You do yeah. need a sweater sometimes. It's not always like the beach life. So you, what you realize is once you move out of the place you've known for your whole life, for me, which was Pittsburgh, PA at the time, um, you realize that a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. Um, you get more of a worldly uh, vision, uh, a worldly grasp of things. Emotionally, you're much stronger because if I'm willing to do that at 23, yeah. 22, what am I not willing to do at 33? Right. When financially I'm stronger, emotionally I'm stronger, you know, just everything is more enhanced just because I'm older and I've lived uh, more life. Right. Yeah. So 
in a sense, you're very vulnerable, but if you can survive that, <clears throat> you're 10 times stronger than what you would have ever been had you not done that. So that's, that's kind of my uh, answer to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know that totally makes sense. Um, so out of your two, as far as the coaches are concerned, I mean, Dave, from what I understand back then, Dave was more of the, like you said, he's the owner, um, more of the logistics, kind of the, yeah. like he oversaw the operations, but he wasn't directly the coach. Um, Glenn was the coach. Right. Um, and, you know, Donnie was there and being Donnie and so is John and everybody yeah. else. Um, how did, how, how was your relationship with Glenn and um, how did that, how did that start after, after your initial, okay, I, I'd really like to try out for the team. Then you made the team. How did, how did that relationship with him bloom? And how did you, how did you uh, make the decision to stay with him when he moved to MDUSA? So my relationship with Glenn, I mean, it was similar to most people's. Glenn was very uh, in his own world a lot of the time somewhat non-communicative. Um, so as, as a 22 year old kid, and I, and I thought I knew a lot back then. And once I meet 22 year olds now, I'm like, you know, my, my three year old <laughs> daughter knows as much as a 22 year old. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they're still a, a baby in every sense of the word. Uh, they're young adults. Uh, and, and depending on the upbringing, some are younger adults than others. So, they need that guidance. They need that handholding more so than, you know, somebody in their thirties, they should already know a, a good bit of what's going on. They should be yeah. in their career and things like that. So Glenn was a great coach. Uh, but outside of that, he was somewhat distant just because number one, he was so busy. Number two, he wasn't that handholding. It's going to be okay. You know, he, there, there wasn't a lot of that. So you had to figure a lot of shit out on your own. John took me under his wing, which I'll never forget. And uh, highly grateful for to this day. You know, he said, look, man, this is what it is. Cause he had a different relationship with Glenn because he knew him longer and he was, he was, you know, the, the all-star in the team, right? He was John yeah. North. He still is to this day. So Glenn could run a business around him and Donnie a lot easier than myself, Spencer, Rob, Tom, where we weren't those big names yet, right? Some of us evolved into those, um, but we weren't there just yet. So you had to talk to Glenn through John a lot of the times, and that's what I did. So, you know, John, where, what, what's Glenn thinking about me? What's my potential? You know, what, what are we doing here? Okay, I'll go talk to him. Glenn said this, and he said that he wants you at this number, and he thinks that you should be this weight. Because when I would ask him, it'd be, whoa, you know, uh, you should be a little lighter or you should be a little stronger. So I had to learn to talk to Glenn through John, mm -hmm. right? Uh, doesn't sound like that's that big of a, uh, 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 you know, aha moment. But at 22, it is because you don't know, right? Yeah. At least I did it. So uh, great coach. Uh, somebody who I respected in, in some, uh, some aspects of life, other aspects I would never do what Glenn did. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to get into all of his personal stuff, but, uh, yeah, some stuff I would never do what Glenn did other stuff. I'd be like, he was a, he was a master at his craft. So yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a unique relationship and that wasn't just my relationship with him. That was everybody's relationship. Yeah. As far as why I decided to follow him and the team uh, to North Carolina, muscle driver, yeah. was because all the older guys were going. Uh, Donnie was older. John was older. Travis Cooper was older. Uh, I was older. I was the youngest of the older crew, but I was still mm -hmm. older than all the other guys staying. Yeah. Tom Soroka was older. So I felt like I related with them more. Hindsight, again, being 2020 and being young. And I even, I remember thinking this, I just never said it. I would have, because uh, my wife and I, we put a deposit on uh, an apartment, which was like a thousand dollars. That was 10 years ago. I can't imagine what it is oh, now. Geez, yeah. But 
we, we had to fucking eat that deposit, which at the time for us was a lot because we were moving. Yeah. I would have said, you know what, Glenn, this is news to me. Uh, we just put money down. I can't afford to lose it. No, I don't want you to give me money or pay me back. You know, I don't, I don't want to develop that type of, uh, relationship with you as far as like you, you lending me money and then I owe you and I don't want to get into that. Yeah. If you want me now, you'll want me in six months and I'll see what it's like. Cause we were kind of promised the world. And once we got there, it was far from it. So the one big mistake that I feel I made in life, even to this day, out of every decision I've made, weightlifting, non-weight, weightlifting was saying or not saying, you go ahead, I'll see what it's like in six months. Yeah. I think if I would have said that, life would have been a lot different for me. Uh, I don't know, good or bad. I never really went down that rabbit hole because at this point it doesn't matter. But yeah. it would have definitely been different had I said that to him instead of saying, yeah, I'll go with you kind of blindly follow so to speak yeah so how did that how did moving again making a big move granted you had your your Mm -hmm. your core group of everybody that you were you moved with and your and your wife being very supportive of of Mm -hmm. your decisions and where you knew you needed to go where you thought you needed to go at the time um Mm -hmm. how did that how did your guys's relationship because I know with my wife, like if all of a sudden I got transferred and it's like, hey, I got a three-year gig cross-country and the whole family is moving, like she'd be 100% for, for us because it's a family decision. Um, I, I know that a lot of relationships and couples aren't like that. And especially like we're, you know, we're in our late 30s now. You're in your early 30s. Um, making those decisions at such a young age um, and whether you have a solid relationship or not, it really, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to grasp from the other person's um, perspective. How did, how did, uh, how did you guys handle that in your relationship? Because I know um, this day and age with opportunities with sign on bonuses, everything, you know, a lot of people are having to make decisions to say, Hey, I'm going to, become a traveling nurse and, and take their family on the yeah. road, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting to hear how you guys um, communicated your, um, your decisions to make a, a cro- another cross country move later on in your um, young adult life. Yeah. So she was out there for me um, and we were out there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that reason was to be the best weightlifter I could be. And if I thought, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to learn more by going. Then the decision was easy. Uh, that being said, um, you know, we definitely had to have that conversation. But at the end of the day, you know, we knew what it was. It was more of a, a an annoyance that we had to move, you know, we just got here. We just found an apartment in three months into doing all this. Now we're moving across country again. It's not like we're moving down the street or yeah. to, you know, Southern California. We're moving all the way across the country again. So it was more of an annoyance. Uh, she handled it extremely well. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to uh, have uh, found her and had her support, uh, which is why I'm so successful uh, in, in, you know, what I'm doing, uh, in, in weightlifting, because I had her support, uh, if I didn't, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, so you, you get, you got to have those relationships and that's, you know, spouse, significant other, you know, your, your, your peer group, you know, that applies to all aspects of life. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, to answer your question, it wasn't that hard of a decision. It was just more of an annoyance that, okay, here we go again with moving. Um, you know, but hindsight being 2020, I would have been like, yeah, no, we're staying, we're staying. Yeah. And, um, because life in California was a lot better opportunity wise was a lot better than, um, Southern California, uh, excuse me, South Carolina, because, you know, she, within a week, she found work at, uh, Ulta. I didn't know what Ulta was back yeah. in the day. <laughs> uh, I guess high end makeup. Yeah. So, I mean, she could have worked the ladder there. She could have went back to school, whatever. Right. Yeah. We could have done what we're doing now, but in California. Yeah. So, and 
five years ago. Yeah. I, I don't think any, uh, I don't think any of that would have changed uh, had we stayed, but you know, she couldn't find it. She couldn't find work in South Carolina. There's really nothing to do. If you've ever lived in the Carolinas, it's a completely different lifestyle than both Pittsburgh and California. Um, we, we just weren't vibing there, not us together, but just overall the environment. Uh, yeah. So, you know, three months after moving there, we decided to move back home. So, you know, we knew we weren't going to move back to California. So we were like, let's just go home and do our own thing. And yeah, that's what we did. Shoot. Dang. Yeah. So how, how did that, how did that, uh, I I thought you were at MDSA a lot longer. I didn't realize it was only three months. Three months. Yeah. I make Um, decisions quick. (laughs) Yeah, man. No, it's great. It's, it keeps you from, uh, hanging on too long. Um, so when you, when you moved back home, um, what did you do? What'd you, what'd you jump into? Did you, did you go jump into, uh, coaching and training and, and, uh, working for, working at a gym or a, a training facility? Yeah. So I, I think I got a job at a CrossFit gym, just uh, kind of coaching, doing some uh, weightlifting classes. And that was for a few months. Uh, obviously, I had to move back in with my parents. Um, and that was tough just because we were, I mean, at 20 years old, I was at college doing my own thing, moved across country. And, you know, 24, I'm living with my parents. I'm like, yeah, we got to get out of here quick. So a couple months kind of finding our, our ground, finding our feet. Uh, our footing, so to speak. And uh, then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do my own thing. You know, there's not much to lose. Uh, our debt isn't really high. You know, responsibilities are low, no kids. You know, we weren't really like inundated with a bunch of uh, credit card debt or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'll just try my own thing. And, uh, you know, that that caught fire. Did that for about two years and um, just rode the wave and of entrepreneurship, so to speak. And, you know, it was a, it was a great, uh, learning, uh, period, uh, in my life. I was 24 to 26. It were kind of the peak years that I did that. And you did, uh, you did the whole traveling, uh, seminars and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. So I did, uh, online programming, personal, uh, training in person. Um, my, my most favorite was traveling, doing seminars, um, met thousands of people doing that. That was, yeah. that was so much fun. Even if I didn't make money doing that, it was just a free vacation. It would still be worth it. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, sold some clothing, you know, made some shirts, stuff like that. So it was a good learning experience, um, which is, you know, kind of what prepped me for what I do today. So, yeah. And that, and that transition was pretty natural for you to go, um, to, to get to where you are today. Yeah. Um, like we talked about you, you, what, what was the deciding factor? I mean, we, obviously the kind of the slow decline of, of, uh, the boom days as John likes to call it, you know, like you had to, you had to make a financial decision that you were not going to, uh, you weren't going to be a weightlifting coach for the rest yeah. of your life. Right. Yeah. So you got into car sales. Um, how did your how did your you see your progression and your success in that from the, so, from the start? As far as um, selling cars, yeah. So so just to kind of backtrack in between the end of personal training, we'll call it fitness yeah. training, to car sales. Uh, I worked retail for a few years, so I, I learned kind of the basics on that. It was just a job I needed to make some money and, and kind of get a resume more so get a resume built. Yeah. Then when I jumped into selling cars, I was like, okay, this is like my first real job. I can make good money. Um, let's see, let's see what I got. The first three months I wanted to quit. I hated it. And I was just like, this isn't for me, you know, let's find something else. But deep down I knew that, okay, Kev, you have to, you're going to have to master this. You're going to have to figure this out or else it's just going to be a spinning wheel of, you try new things. And once you hit that uh, sticking point, you're just going to find something new until you hit the sticking point there and so on and so forth. Yeah. So 
I don't know what it was. Um, evolving as a person, we'll call it for, for, for the easiest term uh, right now uh, or description, you know, as time went on, I just got better and better and better. And um, I realized, you know, making money isn't that hard if you know how to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I remember making, 14, 15 hours a manager. So what's that like 29,000 a year? And I'm like, damn, I work really hard to make 29 grand a year, which I knew wasn't a lot. I said, I wonder how hard people have to work to make a hundred grand. When really people who make a hundred work five times less hard than the people who make 29,000. <laughs> it's all so about efficiency, right? That, yeah. Yeah. Once I realized that I was like, okay, you know, let's figure this out. And I always titled everything as the university of mm -hmm. the university of cow strength. What do I learn here? The university of whatever retail job, the university of whatever car dealership. Right. And then yeah. you graduate uh, all of those universities and then you find your one true thing that you want to do. And then you just go and you master it and, and you just try to build it as absolutely big as you can until, you know, you either retire or, you were in the ground. That's, yeah. That was pretty much, and still is, uh, how I operate from an objective and goal standpoint, right? And I feel like yeah. I've graduated everything, but the best university was car sales. Uh, I learned a ton. Um, not going to lie, it was super easy after a while, and it just became really boring. And I was like, okay, I think I'm graduated from here. It's time to move on. So that's kind of the story and trajectory of that. Okay. And then um, from that, you obviously had the confidence to, to uh, get into what you do now, right? Financial yeah. planning, um, life planning mm -hmm. really is, is yeah. what, what we talked about. Um, yeah. So how did that process go about with your dad? And, and uh, how, did, how did you structure your growth from, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. You're going to jump off another ledge and right. just, you know, dive head first into this thing. And, um, how did you, how did you structure your growth? Was it the same as you, you just use the same approach you had for car sales and just gave it your all and, and, and got there. Um, kind of walk, walk me through how, how you made your, your first couple years to now, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. This is my relationship with, with my clients. And then once you have your, your core clients, how do you go and expand that? Cause I know, yeah. I know, I know with, uh, my dad's in real estate and, um, in property management, it's like you get your core group of your, yeah. you know, your doors as property management likes to call it, you know, you get so many doors and that's your core. And then, then you gotta like, you gotta go out and you gotta, you gotta find more. So how do you, how do you expand? So kind of start from start from point a and let's get to like c d and e yeah okay <laughs> so so how i got into it i was selling cars COVID hit the whole world shut down and i was like okay great i'm gonna do probably what everybody else is doing or at least should be doing i'm gonna figure out what it is i want to do and not second guess ever again and when i say second guess i mean Hey, do you want to make $10,000 a month working four hours a day from home just by drop shipping? Hey, do you want to you know, drive a Lamborghini like me? <laughs> yeah. Once those ads are like, okay, yeah, I see the bullshit or they're not appealing at all anymore. I know I'm all set with what I'm doing, right? Yeah. That type of not second guessing anymore. Um, so I was thinking, 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 I couldn't come up with anything. I was like, man, is there really nothing to do? I mean, there's gotta be something. So my dad calls me one day and, you know, we talk, but we don't, we're not like, okay. You know, I call my dad once a week or whatever. Yeah. So him calling me, I'm like, okay, what does he want? Cause he, he was, <laughs> he's already, he's been in this industry 25 years, 18 in corporate health, seven on the security side. Yeah. So investments, insurance, retirement planning, all that type of stuff. So he calls me one day and I pick up and I go, Hey, what's up, dad? Hey, uh, what are you doing? Dad, the whole world shut down. I'm watching Netflix. What do you mean? What am I, what am I doing? Well, no, I didn't mean so much that I meant, what are you doing career wise? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. You know, I haven't really made any decisions yet. Well, why don't you come work for me? 
And I'm like, yeah, I could do that, but I don't know. I don't want to, you know, you know, uh, I don't know if I just want to sell insurance. And he goes, well, clearly you don't know what I do. If you think that's all I do. So let's have a conversation. Right. Yeah. So I go, we have a conversation and I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'll make you deal. If, and I'm not good at testing. I said, if I pass the test on my first try, I'll do it. If I fail, I'm not even going to entertain a second try. Fine. I study, study, study for three weeks. Boom. Passed my life insurance license. <laughs> the first time. I'm like, I didn't think I was going to. I was like, yeah, let's just fail this. That was my out, so damn it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, damn, that one. So I pass it. He's like, great, let's get you signed up. Six weeks later, after, you know, the state licensing and your U4 form and all this stuff, great, let's do it. And I'm like, okay, now what? Literally the next six months, it was, hey, Eric, this is Kevin. I know we haven't spoken in a while, but uh, not sure if you know what I'm doing for work now or not. And it was literally this bad. And I'm like, oh, I'm good at selling cars. I, I got this. But much like you, I'm sure I had a career change and I'd love to learn more about you and educate you more about what I'm doing. And I'm just like, man, why did I not uh, get any meetings my first six months? Well, because I sounded like that, right? Yeah. Gonna meet with you. So once I, I knew again, I had to kind of learn the process because it's similar to selling cars and it's also similar to personal training. Uh, there's obviously products or solutions that we provide that help fill gaps in people's planning. Mm -hmm. But it's not just a product sale. You're building lifelong uh, relationships because nobody's going to sign up with you if you don't have that mindset, right? Yeah. Uh, if you ask people for their entire life savings and to trust you with it, they want to know you're going to be there in 20 years when they go to retire. Yeah. So I, I spent my first year trying to figure out kind of who I needed to become for people to trust me, take me serious, and um, want to become clients of mine. And I'm like, well, you know, if I, if I had success in personal training, then I should probably have success in this. So I had to kind of unlearn what I learned or un, undo what I've done in selling cars and go back to the personal training side of Kevin. But it's a little bit different this time. So as far as an overall growth, that's what my first, I'd say, eight to 12 months look like. August will be two years. So I operate under a little bit different of a mode here. Uh, people know what I do. You know, yeah. if I'm calling you, you probably know the reason why. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, how I operate at this point. Okay. So did you, did you, what was your first, uh, I guess, what was your first like real, um, commitment from a client that was like, obviously you, you got some here and there coming up, right? Um, what was the first one where you felt like, that's it. That's, that's my got it. That's, that's, I'm, I finally figured out what to do, how to talk, how, what offer, how to read the person. Um, kind of that first sell that really like locked you into this is who yeah. I am. This is how I operate. And this is how I'm going to carry on for the next six, eight months, whatever. I would say that one probably just happened within the last three months. Okay. Where, hey, yeah, this is what I need. Okay, great. Let's get together. You know, what do you, what are you looking for? What's your overall goals and objectives? Okay, this is the solutions that make the most sense. Boom, here it is. Next step: setting up level of expectation. Same thing in cars. You're going to do this, 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 and this. I'll walk you through that. Once it's done, we'll have a delivery. Sign still delivered. Once I took it from A to Z, I was like, oh man, maybe I really can do this. So. And it was somebody that I met digitally. They don't even live in the same state as me. Oh, so I'm like, if I can do that, yeah, if I can do that, then I think I'm pretty okay. It's just about doing it again and again and again. Um, so once I did that, uh, I, I can't say the name or anything, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, once, once I was able to do that, I was like, dude, in person should be a no-brainer, yeah. you know, because because there's, there's a saying for all those people who've either been in financial services or, you know, are in it now, a no is usually not a no. It's a not now. So yeah. something either has to happen, they have to read something, 
Aunt Betty has to unfortunately pass and not leave them with something other than debt or leave them with a lot of money. And then they go, man, I'm glad she did that. Maybe I should do that for my kids. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, are you still doing the insurance thing? Yeah. Well, I, you know, you know, uh, some things have changed. I'd like to talk. So once you start to get more inbound uh, calls, which I'm getting yeah. at this point, you know, it, it changes the game. And you're more of a advisor at that point, not a salesman, so to speak. Yeah, you're more going to tell you what they need. Yeah, a facilitator. Right. Okay. Um, have you seen any like, have you hit any walls uh, where you really had to step back and like, because it seems like almost in every step that you've taken in your life, like you said, you make decisions quickly, right? So you kind of avoid in that you've avoided like hitting a brick wall and like having to like really make some, some wholehearted decisions about life and, you know, Oh shit, I got, I, what am I going to do? I'm stuck. Right. Um, have you had any of those, have you hit any of those brick walls in the last, you know, three or three, four or five years since you got, since you got out of weightlifting and, and, um, decided to go down the path of um, sales and found your career career path, have you hit a brick wall where you're like, especially once you had momentum, have you hit a, a brick wall where you're like, oh shit, did I make a bad, did I make a bad decision? Do we need to pivot? Um, did it, did it, did anything like that happen? Yeah. So whenever I could go, it was the first dealership I was at where I, I was most tenured. Um, I was essentially John at Cal Strength, uh, huge company. I was the number one guy, easily making a hundred grand a year mm -hmm. and hating life in every portion of it. Um, a lot of the guys in that industry are divorced, or they drink a lot, or they're miserable. And I was two out of three, three probably going to happen. I was like, yeah, I got to make a decision here. Yeah. So the money was fantastic. Everything else around it was crumbling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one day I was, I, we, we, my, my wife and I went on vacation, clear our heads. And we were like, we knew we had to make a big decision. Yeah. I'm like, honey, I think I'm going to quit. I get to do something. And she's like, um, cause this was the first time we were really able to, we paid all of our credit cards off. Our credit score was up 250 points. Um, every good thing you could think of that happened from a financial standpoint has happened, right? Yeah. We had our nice cars, all that. And I was like, yeah, I think I need to leave because this is ruining us. And she, at first she, it was the old, you know, oh shit, you know, we got to move from California to South Carolina. We just got here. It was that all over again. Yeah. So we took a vacation. It was like 10 days, Florida, clear water where we like to go. And we just kind of cleared our head and we got out of that situation. And sometimes in life, what I've realized is you can't ask, you can only ask unbiased outside opinions for so much advice. Other times, and this is what I had to get good at. Uh, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm better at doing it. Sometimes you got to make a decision on your own and live with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it's right, it's right. There's no other, there's nothing that's else that's going to happen. Is you going to be right decision or wrong decision, but yeah. only you can make the ultimate decision. So we took control and we said, you know what, what do we need to do? If I leave, I know I'm going to have to kind of go down to come back up. Yeah. So leaving the first dealership where I was the number one sales guy making Buku money, had 500 cars that I sold in the last two and a half years. So a lot of repeat business I could have called on just, and, and it wasn't like a two weeks or let's, let's, you know, uh, uh, divvy it out over six months. It was once I get back, I'm done. I'm leaving. That's yeah. it. No two weeks, no nothing. Cause the two weeks they would have talked me back into it. So, yeah. um, that would have been the, after making that decision, I was like, Oh, great. A weightlifter off my shoulders. But then life six months later started to, I, I was kind of like, did I make a really bad decision? Hindsight? No, I did not. But it took almost three years to, really, really for the dust to settle mm -hmm. and me be like, 
oh god i'm so happy i'm not there anymore right yeah and it's funny because it it, it snowed really bad uh like a week ago and one of the ladies i didn't work with her but uh um i think we bought a car off her maybe anyway my, my wife and i both drive a lexus she sold uh at lexus mm-hmm. so that's how i knew her and she messages me on instagram and goes aren't you happy we don't have to be in you know uh, $800 suits and shoveling snow. And I'm like, her saying that I was just like, man, <laughs> I would have never thought of that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was just like, you know what? I, I, I remember, you know, kicking myself for a literally a year and a half thinking, what did you do to now being like, thank you so much, uh, uh, past Kevin for making that decision. Yeah. That would have been the wall. That would have been one of the hardest decisions I've had to make in the last, five, six years. Wow. Cause that's it took incredible. so long to come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's freaking crazy. That's a, uh, I kind of, I've, I've had that aha moment where it was just like, yeah, every, it kind of was, I had to make a decision and kind of stars aligned a little bit. I yeah. definitely looking back now, it's, it's 100% the best decision I ever made. And at the time, you know, probably six months after I was like, Oh crap. But then shortly after that six months, oh, crap moment, it was like, oh, yeah, there's no way I'm ever going back to that. Um, and now, go ahead. Now, just just to ask, since it's fresh, did you find that people that and I don't know what your decision was, but I'm sure it was you had a, a similar kind of post uh, post decision uh, aftermath, so to speak. Yeah. After talk. Yeah. Did you have reminders uh at first as to oh man you know maybe guys you saw that used to work with or used to uh uh, interact with that are like hey man how you doing oh yeah everything's great on my end it's great you know we're building we're doing this we're doing that and you're kind of like damn well i'm not doing any of that did you kind (laughs) of have that as well because i certainly had moments like that at first i did a little bit um there was a few opportunities that were on the table when I left that company and they had been on the table for, you know, six months to a year. And after I had left, I'd kind of stayed in contact with some of the guys and yeah, yeah, th- th- those opportunities had been given to somebody else already. That, and I was like, <laughs> first, I was first in line for them. They ended up like shortly after I left those, the, opening or that the yeah. opening freed up or like the training position opened up um that i would have been in but now like i'm i'm my future now is far beyond the future that i would have had there you know what i mean so like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so so even as so i'm i'm in construction um even as a as a journeyman um I I was making comparatively the amount of the leadership role that I would have had there. And now that I'm in a leadership role um, in the company that I'm in now, I'm far beyond anywhere I would have been for them. So, and and, and then the growth from here for this company is, is huge. So. um, And and for, for the listeners, one thing that happened and and I want to get your take on this as well. Everything on their end seems so great and everything, on my end seemed the complete opposite for literally two years but i remember leaving and saying just as a friendly heads up this is going to go from a 80 90 100 thousand a year job to 55 overnight yeah okay dude whatever um i said they're gonna hire way more people they're gonna change the pay plan and they're gonna make it harder to make money Fast forward to, I'd say, two and a half years. Well, damn, I, I keep thinking of, I'm, think, I'm still thinking it's three years ago. It's like five years ago at this point. Three years after that decision, so two years ago, hey, uh, some, one of the guys messages me, hey, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, can we grab some coffee or something? Yeah, great, let's do it. You know, because I'm able to go grab coffee because I make my own schedule. I, yeah. I don't have an office I have to show up to or dealership. Yeah. Right. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's whatever. Right. How about you? Oh, well, you know what, dude? They made some changes. And 
okay, like, like, did they, they repainted the place? Yeah, yeah. Oh, more so than that. They changed the pay plan and now you only get paid this much and this. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, my finance brand. I'm like, dude, that's like half as much for just the same amount of cars. Yeah. And they have these many people and they sell those things. I'm like, yeah, you got to work harder for less. Yeah. You know, so what do you think? Uh, I think I was right three years ago and that's why I left. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, not to say, well, like I told you so, but. I knew this was happening. That's why I left. So, yeah, you know, for it, it was weird because for so long, I'm like, man, I made the worst decision of my life. And then literally that in that moment, I was like, man, I made the best decision I could have ever made. Did yeah. that kind of happen to you uh, after that decision or, or what was kind of your trajectory in that regard? Um, well, outside of those opportunities getting filled um, shortly after I left, I, uh, the pay scale has gone up exactly how it had been going up. So like where my pay scale is pretty, you know, it goes up pretty solid every year. I know I'm going to get, uh, let's say 15% over three years. That's usually our contract negotiation is, is about 15 to 20% over three years. Um, over there, it's like 15 to 20% over 10 to 15 years. Holy smokes. 1% yeah. a year. Wow. Yeah. If that, like I was there, I was there for five years and I went for a, I got, uh, less than a dollar a year in five years. And Dude, that it, doesn't even keep up with inflation when it's no, normal, let no. alone now. No. And I'd gone the last two years before I quit. I, I had gone, um, without a raise at all. And, um, when I finally was like fed up, I was like, look, dude, I, you got to do something. He went in and came back with 50 cents. I was like, Nope, sorry. Yeah. And within, within like two weeks after that, I, I had quit and, um, started on the journey that I'm on now. So it was, everything just came together, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was the same thing. I, when I left and I talked to some of the younger guys, I was like, look, if you're not like, you're here because you love it and you don't, you don't care about the money, then great. Like stay here, sure. learn, as, yeah. learn as much as you can and just have fun, be safe, whatever, you know, but outside of that, hell no, get the heck yeah. out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm still friends with all the guys down there and yeah. my, my old boss, like we're on, we're on speaking terms. I, I go down yeah. there and I, I buy stuff from him if I need to for a job. Like I, is what it is, but yeah, you know, we're, same. For, for the most part, we're all adults and, and can move yeah. on. So, but it's hey, just man. funny because, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was saying it's just funny because it's like you leave there and they're like, because they are kind of in that mindset and you're, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know, it's scary out there because it is, right? Yeah. Taking a huge leap. But then, you go back and then you're buying a nice car from them and they're like, how are you doing? And da, 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 da. And I'm like, you're seeing how I'm doing. I'm buying one of the nicest cars on the lot. Whereas before I wouldn't have been able to, right. Yeah. I would have been selling that car to somebody. Now I'm buying that car. Not that, not that materialistic things are important, but it just, it's, it's a, it's a show of, you know, Hey, I always wanted this. Now I'm getting, now it, you right? can do it. So, yeah. And the thing is, being there helped to set up that base, but to, to do the foundation to be able to do that. But um, staying there would not have uh, accomplished that goal. So, yeah, you, you just instead of waiting three years to have that, that uh, restructuring effect, affect you, it affected you immediately yeah. and you were able to cope with it and move on. Yeah, good point. I never thought of it like that. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of had a vision I of the future. pay plan on myself. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I did. I took a, I went from, this is 12, yeah, 12 years ago, 11, 12 yeah. years ago. I went from 21 bucks an hour to 14 bucks an hour. That's a, that's a big, big cut. <laughs> Every dollar an hour is 160 bucks a month. So multiply yeah. that by seven. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, but within, what was it within less than a year, I was already back up above 20 bucks an hour. And then it was, yeah. It was five percent a year after that. Um, yeah. 
So it's it yeah, it was definitely definitely Plus, worth it. it. And outside of anything financial, the person you become when you take that leap of faith. I mean, you know, I'm so resourceful at this point. I don't have to go find another job. Like I can create something from nothing. That's what I've been doing the last two years. So God forbid this work to ever not work out for whatever reason, I can go find something else. And, yeah. and the, the knowledge that I was just talking to somebody, one of my other friends who's in the industry as well, I was just talking to somebody right before this call where, you know, the knowledge that we have, that I have because of the studying, because of seeing retirement plans and, you know, people who are on track and aren't on track and just, you know, their, their tendencies and who they are and what they do, you yeah. know, almost like a cheat sheet where you have all the answers to how to become successful in retirement and what that looks like. You can just go do it on your own, right? The only yeah. difference is I'm doing it and then helping others to do that same thing. Yeah. But I wasn't doing this. I would still be okay. It's just, I wouldn't be helping others to do it. So, yeah. you know, the point being is you become really resourceful in how to get stuff done. Um, because once you, once you're able to create things, it's probably in more of a grander scale than somebody who has created it and is just allowing you the opportunity to do it. If that makes sense. Yep. So going back to that, you're like, okay, I'm wasting time by being here eight hours and then making this. And then, whereas yep. I could do something for two hours and do the same thing and then have six hours to do what I want to do. Right. So yep. it's scary at first, but once you see the, positives of um going out there and and, and, and doing what you want to do um it far outweighs the the negatives uh in that regard oh absolutely and then the confidence that you gain in making that correct seeing the success and and the 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 work that you have to put in to obtain that success is 100 percent you you don't have yeah. like there's you have helpers along the way and like uh mentors and stuff like that but you're not, you're, like you said, you're creating something of your own that you're, you're reaping the benefits from and that you're, that you can help somebody else do the same thing instead of, like you said, you're walking in, somebody already owns the building. They've already put their, their ass on the line to get the, to this far and you're just making the sure. money. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing it does too, is once you, once you're flying your own plane, you're not co-piloting, you're not a stewardess, anything like that. You don't have time to sit back and say, oh, man, I should have pushed this button instead of that button. Okay, well, if you don't push any button, it's going down. So do yeah. something, right? Yeah. So once you're in that mode, uh, the no's or the don't call me or no, I'm not interested or why are you doing this? You don't have as much time to sit and stew in that when yeah. you have the comfort of every two weeks you're getting paid, you have your benefits you know, all that shit, dude, you got to go tell me yes, tell me no, but tell me quick. I got to go. That's yeah. kind of how you operate. Right. Yep. So absolutely. And it's a good thing. Yeah. No, no. I, what's funny is that that plays into construction and what I do too, because it's like, if you're on a, a shutdown where a customer has their machinery yeah. shut down, you only have yeah. a window of so many hours and it, you can do all the planning in the world, but if one thing goes wrong in that window, you got to fix it and you got to make sit. You can't sit there and pine over it. It's, it's either yeah. a or B and you got to push one and it's yeah. either going to be right or yeah. it's going to be wrong. If it's wrong, you got to make that same decision on something else to make it right again. It's, it's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it exciting. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, so Hey man, we got to get going. So, um, it was great talking to you. Um, yeah. You gotta appreciate you having me on. Yeah, appreciate you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the, the conversation as much as I did. We have some exciting guests coming up. I'll be pumping these out as much as I can with the renewed focus of the new year. Talk to you soon. going to be uh i'm going to be doing another podcast based around the um, uh, weightlifting and, and john's league and what we got going on um, with the outdoor stuff coming up so I'll, I'll be reaching out to you again and have you on yeah. that one so 
I'm excited. Yeah, me, you, and John. It'll it'll be fun. It'll be yeah, uh, time. All right. Sounds good, brother. So, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.